This is the day the Lord has made. There we go. I do want to wish my wife a very happy birthday. She is a blessing to everyone who she comes in. 29 plus shipping and handling. Um, <coughs> she is a blessing to everyone she comes in contact with. And I am so thankful for her life as a, as a godly wife and a godly mom and, and just an example to all of grace and mercy. So I'm th so thankful for your life. And I wanted to tell you how special you are. And we love you very much. I am so excited to be back in the pulpit this week. Uh, I've been out the last two weeks and uh, I was here last Sunday, but Jared preached. And I wanted to continue on with the series that we're talking about as far as making a difference. Um, this message, though, today is titled The Collision at, at na uh, nine, 9 and Vine, okay? And um, I'll explain this one to you here in a minute, but I have a short video that I'd like to show you because I've been watching these videos all week long, and I picked out this one here to show you. So, gentlemen, do we have that video ready to go? That's the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety's front crash of a 2009 Chevrolet Malibu and 1959 Chevrolet Bel Air. In slow motion, you can see the differences in how the new and classic cars perform in this version of the traditional frontal offset test. The Institute conducted this test to commemorate its 50th anniversary. It dramatically shows how much improvement has been made in passenger protection since the nonprofit organization opened its doors. The two cars collide in an explosion of metal, glass, and plastics. Where the Malibu crumple zone absorbs much of the crash forces ahead of the windshield, the Bel Air structure allows the lighter car to compress the passenger compartment. The impact is made worse for the Bel Air driver by the lack of air. Now, <clears throat> I watched a lot of crash dummy videos this week, I gotta tell you. <clears throat> and you have to ask yourself, why do they crash cars together? All right, how many of y'all volunteer your car? Just say, hey, we, we need a two cars. We're just going to run them together and just watch it. It'll be really great. And I don't know how many volunteers I'd get. So there's an expense that is incurred by testing all these videos. But why do they test the cars? So that every aspect can be recorded and learned from. Okay, you got that? So when we read the Word of God, there are sometimes we have to look at the Word of God in all ways, in all directions, so that we can learn from it. Because sometimes as you get into the Word, the Word is much deeper than the very simplistic way that we're reading it. And before we sit down to read the Word of God, we have to say, Lord, would you open my eyes and my heart to see what you're trying to say? And the more that you dig, the more that you get from this. And I'm going to take a passage that you've probably read many, many times. You said, yeah, 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 that's a great coincidence. No. I'm going to tell you there are no coincidences in the Bible. And we're going to take a look at how when our life collides with other people. Praise God. When our life collides with other people. Now, I want to ask you a question. And I don't want anybody to raise their hands. Some of you might not even be able to raise your hands. But I want to know, over the last 12 months, how many people have you been able to pray with? How many people have you been able to, to join your faith with in healing? How, how many people have you, you led to the Lord just in, in, in personal salvation? Uh, maybe the last 24 months. Maybe the last 36 months. 
how many people are sitting here, and I know that we're, we're way low this week because of the festival and this great weather we're having, but how many people could look around this church and say, you know what, that person's here because of an influence that the Lord allowed me to bring to them. I met that person at Target, I met that person at Aldi's or, or at Kroger's and I've invited them to church, or they may not be attending church here, but they're attending church somewhere else. How, how great is that list that we have? Now, this message is not a message on works. I'm talking about us colliding our lives with other people. And we're going to take a look at this passage today. We're going to be, if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn to the book of Luke. But we're going to look at a collision of two groups that came together in a city that's called Nain. And I called it Nain and Vine because one of the groups was coming out and Jesus and a large group was heading in. And Jesus is the vine. So, so we're talking about collisions. There's an intersection here. And when you think about this, there's going to be a collision at Nain and Vine. And it wasn't between two groups. It was a procession of death that was met with a procession of hope. Do you see this? A procession of death is coming out of the city and Jesus and a large group is going in and he's bringing in hope and life. Amen. At the front of one was a man who had been defeated by death. At the other was a man that was about to defeat death. Amen. Do you see these two groups coming together and it's going to be a more powerful collision than what you just saw on this. So it's important that we see that after these two groups collide, they become one group. They become one group. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Luke 7, verses 11 through 15 to begin with. And this is what the word of the Lord tells us. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a city called Nain. His disciples and a large crowd went with him. First, we just got to stop right here. Google up how many times it says large crowd around Jesus. Jesus constantly had large crowds around him. He drew people. He drew people because they were curious to see what this man was able to do. Large crowds are gathering. And I'm not talking, because normally it would say Jesus and his disciples. And it says, as he came near the entrance to the city, he met a funeral procession. And a large crowd from the city was with her. Verse 13, when the Lord saw her, he felt sorry for her. And he said to her, don't cry. And he went to the open coffin, took hold of it, and the men who were carrying it stopped. And he said, young man, I'm telling you to come back to life. And the dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Exactly. I mean, how do you read that passage and you're like, oh, wow, that's just really great. Could you imagine being in that procession? You know, obviously the news gives out. Here's a widow, her only son has died. Service, you know, we're going to, and I want you to know, in culture, the, the uh, burial was always outside, especially if there was a synagogue in the city. Burial was always outside of the city. So, hey, we're going to all go, we're going to march. By the way, Matt, could you be one of the, the pole carriers, you know? And, and everybody's just going out thinking, she's lost her husband, she's lost her son. And all of a sudden, we see this group of people coming the other direction. And surely they're going to allow us to go through because we are a funeral, you know what I mean. So that crowd's going to part. And there's three things that we're going to learn today from this passage. One, death and sorrow were going out. Two, life and hope were coming in. 
and victory and celebration went everywhere. So let's take a look at this. This is Jesus is approaching the gate. Person was being carried out. And as I just said, it was a, a, a son of a widow. And I got to tell you, I think every funeral is tragic. But every once in a while, even the news will carry a, a special funeral situation. Somebody who died in the, the way of service to our country or a police officer, firefighter, or, or a horrific thing that happened to a family. And I think that this would have qualified for one of those, wow. Because what you had to realize is that the responsibility to take care of the widows really was upon the family. So by her being a widow and her losing her only son, we're seeing that there was probably going to be a life of loneliness, financial disparity on her life. She was going to, to just try to seek out any type of survival. There was going to be loneliness in her life. All of this was happening until one day they carried her outside of the city gates. But Jesus interacts brings back her son and hands it back to her. Now, do you think that that woman is just like, oh, hey, that's really cool. <laughs> I mean, this is rejoicing and celebration and everyone that was following the death becomes part of the celebration of life. Right. We are that celebration of life. Right. So as we're going through life, we're bumping into people constantly that are in the procession of death. I want you to know that I was in a procession of death. I was dead in my sins. And all of a sudden, my procession of death hit the procession of life in Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, it dawned on this little simple guy that if I give my life over to Jesus Christ, I can have life, I can have it more abundantly, I can walk in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. And that death procession stopped, and my procession in life went on. Amen? You are in a death procession until your, your death procession interacts with Jesus Christ. Amen. And when that happens, it's more dramatic than what you saw, the crumpling of the metal and the glass shattering everywhere. It's important that we understand. Romans 3 tells us this, because all people have sinned, they have fallen short of the glory of God. You can say, you know, I don't really feel myself as a sinner. We're born into sin. <laughs> Sin brought death into our lives. So it's important that we understand sin separates us from God. Jesus Christ brought life to us through his sacrifice on the cross. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 55 through 57 tells us this. It says, oh death, where is your victory? And oh death, where is your sting? 56, for sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. This was a message right there. Paul just nailed every Pharisee, every Sadducee that just said, you've got to abide by the law. He says, you know what? You can do everything, and you're still going to die. And it says, but thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. That was a message that Paul gave to those Pharisees and said, you know what? You can keep all the laws you want. It's through grace and mercy that I am receiving eternal life through Jesus Christ. Praise God. So we understand that the procession of death going out of Nain is happening in all cities even today. You see the procession of death equals the world. And the procession of Jesus Christ, that large crowd, is the church. If you're putting yourself in one of those two groups, I would have put myself in the group that the large crowd was following Jesus. And man, 
I would have, I know, I'm, I'm, this goes back to my third grade cutting in line days at lunch line. I'd have tried to be on the very front line, man. I wanted to see what was going on. You know, if Jesus stepped on a bug, I'm like, he stepped on a bug. You know, I mean, I just wanted to be that close to him. That's, that's just my personal opinion. I wouldn't want to be so far back. It's like, what's going on? Where are we heading? I don't know. I just want to be in there. Luke tells us about death and sorrows coming out and life and hope is going in. But you know what? Death and sorrow are everywhere in our world. Death and sorrow are in our workplace. Death and sorrow are in our schools. Death and sorrow is all over Facebook. If you want to see death and sorrow, just start logging on and reading some of the, the drama that's going on in people's lives. But are we colliding with them or are we avoiding them? Is really the question we have to ask ourselves. You see, it can be easy for us to go into sympathy over a situation. But compassion requires action. Compassion requires action. You're driving down the street. You come up to an intersection and there's someone holding a sign. Regardless of what's on that sign, they're wanting something from you. And so what do we mostly do? We don't make eye contact, right? Because if you make eye contact, all of a sudden now, I'm involved. Do you, do you understand this? Don't look at me like, oh, I've never experienced that before, because I know you have, okay? So we, we look at the radio, we look at our watches, we look at the time, and see what happens is when you make eye contact, you are now involved in that situation. And all of a sudden, it goes from sympathy now to compassion, because compassion will not only require an action, compassion gives us an opportunity to reap from that situation. Because God will take care of us when we are out there ministering to others. But I'm going to tell you that the church is avoiding eye contact with the world today. I'm preaching better than you guys are amening. So at least not if you're that sleepy, okay? The church is avoiding eye contact with the world because we don't want to get involved. Well, if we get involved, then we might have to do something, Pastor Mark. Exactly. And that's the reason for this series. Some of us need to open our eyes to the procession of death that's everywhere around us. It's important that we understand we are here to make a difference. Our joy is greater than our, their sorrow. Our hope is better than their hopelessness. The provision that Jesus Christ gives is better than the lack that's in this world. And we have all that answer. We know all of this. But are we sharing what little even we have with others? I want to make a challenge to you. That even by the end of this year, if your checklist earlier had no names on it, maybe the last person you ever led to Christ was back in elementary school. That's great, and I'm thankful for it. But can I challenge you to, to make this a goal? That at the end of the year, you can see somebody and say, you know what, that person sitting there is because God allowed my life to intersect with their life. We collided. I shared what God has just done in my life, and now they're here. Or they're at any other church, but they're serving God. Our neighbors are going to church instead of just mowing their yards on Sunday morning. There's a difference that we're making in our workplace, in our classrooms, in our schools. Our teachers, our professors are changed because God allowed our world to collide with their world. 
And that's what's happening every day. You literally collide with people whether you realize it or not. It's whether you just let them go on by and say, oh, that's just really bad. That's sympathy. But when you have compassion, you say, I need to make a change. Compassion calls us to move and make a difference. And once again, blessings come into us because of our actions. Compassion will have you step into that opportunity to share a hope, to share life. I'm going to tell you, the body of Christ is constantly going around trying to search for a new word. Oh, I've got to get a word from God. I've got to get a new word from God. I've got to get a new word from God. That's great, but you've already gotten a word from God. Why don't you share the word you've already gotten with people who don't even have that? See, we're going around and, oh, there's going to be this crusade and people are going to be levitating. I've got to go see that. You don't need to go see that. Don't chase after God. Bring God into your situation. Yeah. Say, God, revival can start here. And we're all, oh, there's got to be a new CD series that's going to revolutionize my Christian walk. Spend time in the Word of God. That's going to revolutionize your, your work and walk with God. But man, we go around searching for a new word, new word. We need new word. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Amen. There's your word. I once was sick and dying, and Jesus Christ came into my hospital room and... and healed my body Amen. when they didn't even think I was going to make it through the night I was raised up out of that hospital and when they even told my parents I'd be in the that ICU for six weeks I was released four days later right. don't tell me that there is no such thing as healing right. and when I can share what's happened to me with others that are going through a situation that's bringing a word of hope into their hopeless situation. Right. When you can bring how God has restored your life, that's bringing hope into a hopeless situation. Right. When you can share something. See, the thing of it is, is the devil has belittled your testimony where you don't think it's relevant to anyone. And when you belittle your testimony, you belittle God. That's right. Come on. Come on, Pastor. That's good. I hope you guys are grasping that. Yeah. When you belittle the things that God has done for you, no one else would really care about that. No one really else cares. Then you've just minimalized what God did in your life. The greatest gift we've ever received. And we don't tell anybody about it. The greatest gift. See, I think our understanding and appreciation for eternity will really kick in the moment that we breathe our last breath. And at that point, then, it's going to be too late to share all the things and opportunities that our world collided and we just said, you know what, hey, you guys go on by. I'm sorry to say, you know, hey, here's a dollar. They didn't need a dollar. They needed the word that was inside of us, the light of Christ, the hope of glory. Because I'm going to tell you, there's not one person in here that could debate with me, even Sarah Hines, that could say this world is better off now than it was when you were a child. We have more pornography. We have more crime. We have everything. And it's not going to be the government that's going to fix it. It's the church standing up and taking the role and becoming a moral victory in this nation. Because it says, if my people will humble and cry, I'll hear their prayers. We're out searching for a new word. Something for me. I got to have something. I feel dry. I, I just, I need, I don't feel all tingly anymore. <laughs> what happens when we don't share what's inside of us? We get bored. And when we get bored, we search for new. 
there's still the old gospel. It's still powerful. That's why I love when Dino and them share an old song with us because there's still power in those lyrics. I love praise and worship. But there's some times, man, that those lyrics just bring conviction to my heart and say, wow. We need to get out of the sympathy mode and get into the compassion mode. Some might just thought it was a coincidence that those two met at the city gate. It just so happened, timing-wise. But I'm going to tell you one thing. Jesus never had scheduled events. He had scheduled interruptions. God is going to work through your interruptions. See, none of us say, okay, next Tuesday, man, that's going to be on my high holy day. I'm just going to wake up full of God's glory. I'm going to just go out. I'm going to put on my best Jesus t-shirt. I'm going to yell at people on the curb, and then I'm going to go help some homeless people. That's going to be Tuesday. That doesn't really happen to me. It's probably when I'm thinking about something else, and I run into somebody at a grocery store. And they just start sharing with me out of the blue about their life situation. I have a gift of taking people zero to 60 into their deepest, darkest fears within like a minute and a half, you know, from, hi, how are you doing? Oh, let me take you. And man, and I'm sitting here thinking, Lord, you really have a sense of humor, don't you? You know, and I'm just thinking, this is amazing. It's interruptions in our life that bring the opportunities to share the gospel of Christ. Now, it would be great if all your friends tell you, hey, in two weeks from now, I'm going to have a crisis, and I'm going to really need your time, Matt. Would it be okay two weeks from now? Schedule. I don't want you out of town. I need you here, man. Yeah. It's those late night phone calls. Yeah. It's the text. It's Facebook. It's Twitter. And this is when we decide whether we're just going to have sympathy or compassion. Because sympathy says, oh, that's way too heavy for 11 o'clock at night. And compassion is, okay, let me get the Bible promise book out that Lake House Church gave me. And I'm going to go to that passage on depression or sickness. That's what I love about the Bible promise books that we, we, we give out. Because it's all the scriptures right there they need for a topic they're going through. And if you can open that up and just start typing that, God would be pleased. Okay? I don't know what to say. Share the word of God. The word is better and smarter than you and I combined. The word of God will be deeper than you and I will ever be, no matter how many degrees we have after our our name. And the truth is what's going to set them free. Not our opinions, not our judgmental statements. Well, you shouldn't have been doing that in the first place. Good thing God doesn't have that holy mirror. Isn't it good that our Bibles don't have a little mirror inside of it that says, you know, man, oh, man, those Pharisees, they were so... Ooh, man. Wow. If we're going to learn from collisions, we need to learn to listen from the one who can speak to the living and the dead. That's what Jesus did. He spoke that dead young man and called him back to life. John 11 verses 25 through 26 tells us this. Jesus said to her, I am the one who brings people back to life and I am life itself. Those who believe in me will live even if they die. And everyone who lives and believes in me will die. Do you believe that? See the contrast is between those two processions. 
Death and sorrow are coming out. Life and hope are coming in. The wages of sin were going out and the sacrifice for sin was going in. Amen. Do you see this? And it intersects right there. Amen. Oh, that's just a great coincidence, Pastor Mark. Wow. Jesus faced death. Amen. And he faced passion and those who were affected by it. When a big collision takes place, we expect to see pieces fly. Did you notice when those two cars crashed, pieces went everywhere. It wasn't contained. They have not been able to make a car yet that can do that and then just stay together. It's going to fly. Collisions cause impact. Let's finish the passage of Luke 7 that we started off with. Luke 7, verses 16 through 17. Originally I read you 11 through 15. Now we're finishing the story. Everyone was struck with fear and praised God. They said, a great prophet has appeared among us, and God has taken care of his people. Amen. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding region. Do you think if we raise somebody from the dead, some of y'all might Twitter and Facebook about that? Just one, maybe one person. Went to church today, saw somebody raised from the dead. LOL. <laughs> or do you think we'd radically go out of this place so changed in our relationship and understanding of God and who he is and how he holds the power in death and life and started just telling everybody about it? See, we read sometimes the passage which is such blame, emotionlessness. Uh, people, yeah, they got excited. <laughs> the fallout from this spread throughout the country. Death and sorrow smacked into life and hope. Life over death. Two groups became one. Sparks flew everywhere. The people that were following Jesus got more excited. Mm -hmm. The people who were following death got changed. Amen. I told you earlier, we are the church. We're following Jesus. We have a daily opportunity to collide with death, mm -hmm. sorrow, right. hopelessness, sickness, disease, lack, fear, and for every one of those, Jesus Christ has put in us hope, life, abundance, health, victory, faith. But are we willing to share that or are we just willing to walk it go by? Say, that was really sad. They're too messed up for me. I can't even do anything. Aren't you thankful it's not about us? Isn't it, aren't you thankful that the Word of God says that the Holy Spirit will give us words of utterance? That we can speak words of wisdom. And that happens to me many times because I know I'm not that smart. And all of a sudden I'm saying something, I'm like, where did that even come from? In the back of my mind, I'm trying to keep a straight face. Because I'm like, wow, God. That's deeper than I've ever gone before and you before. But it ministered to them. So it's not about you, it's about Him. And it's about him working through you to touch the people that you're encountering every day of your life. That's right. And if you don't know anybody out there, then get outside the four walls of your church. The four walls of your home. 
four walls of your neighborhood and just start introducing yourself to people and you'll find this procession of death because it's taking place every moment, every day, in every city, village, around the world. The collision. But you say, hey, Pastor Mark, I'm kind of in that one group right now. I'm just following death. It seems like everything I've been doing is wrong. I feel like every word I speak is taken and twisted. I feel like I have had no success. I feel empty. I feel void. I have tried this. I've tried this. I've tried this. And nothing has made me happy. Then that is the procession of death that you're in. And it will lead to your final death and eternal separation from God. Because sin cannot be in the presence of God. But Jesus came is the perfect sacrifice. Jesus came as the perfect sacrifice for you and for me. And for all of those who will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. All you have to do is invite him into your life. Accept him in. And not just make him Savior, but make him Lord. See, we like the Savior part, but we don't like the Lordship part. Because we don't want to serve anyone. In reality, we're always serving someone. I'd like to give you an opportunity as I have you bow your heads. I'm going to lead everybody in a very simple prayer. But if you pray this prayer and you ask Jesus Christ into your heart, because you know what? None of us know when our last breath is going to be. This widow had a young son. This son had a whole life in front of him. And we don't know when our last day is. But wouldn't it be great to know that this is not the end. We have an eternal life in the presence of God. I've been thinking of a sermon series that talks about how bad hell is. And when you really start getting into how bad hell is, I can scare the hell out of you. You will not want to be there. And then when you look at how glorious heaven is going to be, you'll start getting homesick for it. But you got to get into the Word and understanding what is ahead. With all eyes closed, all heads bowed, would everybody just pray with me on this prayer? And whether you're sitting here or you're listening to this message on the, on the web through our website, I'd like to lead you in the most important prayer you'll ever pray in your life. Would you all please pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. And I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I am saved. Amen. 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 For those of you who have prayed it, you need to tell someone. When you discover the most valuable thing in the world, you're going to tell somebody. Today I gave my heart over to Jesus Christ. Will you help me in my walk? Will you keep me accountable? Will you help me learn what this really means? That's the way our world can also collide with their world. Jesus brought life back not only into that son, but into that mom. And we have the opportunity to bring life not only into that generation, but other generations. 
I'd like to have you stand as I speak a blessing over you as we dismiss today. God, we thank you for your presence here today. We thank you for the ability to impact worlds. I ask God that you would open our eyes and open our hearts. And that even this week, Lord, as we come upon those processions of death and hopelessness and sorrow, that we would share what you have put into our hearts. As simple as it may be, Lord God, you use the simple things to confound the wise. I thank you for guiding and directing our steps. I thank you for leading us, Lord, in areas that we're not even comfortable in so that we can minister to you. And I thank you for opportunities to sow into other people's lives. And I thank you for the blessing that will come as we are obedient. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. So go in his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming today. I love you so very much.